0: All right. Well, welcome to How Real Estate Changed My Life. And today I've got uh, Ron Swift, who I think can in every way say real estate has changed his life. And he's a buddy of mine. I get barbecue with him once a, a month. And it's one of those times I always look forward to. And I love listening to what his next project is every time. Because he's, I'm going to say not a traditional trajectory as far as real estate investing, but I think a very common one at the beginning, and then it's kind of just gone off in its own direction. So I would love to kind of hear your story. So uh, let, let's uh, co- tell me a little bit about what you what what you are and what you think, and then let's kind of roll into real estate. So
1: you know, my background comes from IT. I've done IT work for over twenty years, and you know, I always had a knack for computers. I wasn't College educated. Uh, I was actually high school dropouts and self taught. I just, I taught myself everything I needed to know about computers, everything I needed to know about cars, and a lot with real estate. So, a lot of that self teaching. I'm not saying college isn't a good thing. I'm just saying that was my path. I didn't go to college. Uh, I did take some college classes. I took a lot of tech classes as well. Back in the day before YouTube, before podcasts and stuff like that, it was a lot of reading books, you know, and if you could find other people listening to what, how they did it and you know how they put that stuff together. You know, working an IT job, I enjoyed doing IT work. Thing is, you know, usually they want you to work 50, 60, 70 hours, be on call all the time. The pay the pay's good, but it started at you know ask that question of kind of quality of life. Do I want to keep working until I'm 65, 70 years old? And then hoping that I'm still in good physical condition at that point or I can do something like I enjoy cycling, you know, motorcycle, dirt bike, hiking, camping, off-roading, all kinds of motorsports and stuff like that as well. So can I ask my question, ask myself the question like, hey, when I'm 65, 70 years old, am I going to have the, I might have the money to do it, might have the time to do it. But the older I get, the more I realize a lot of people aren't in great health by the time they get there and some people never even make it
0: yeah so that just creeping you on facebook alone will tell me that you're enjoying those those things <laughs> you know the the off-roading the, the the corvette the camping the cycling you and i are going to go cycling in a week so i'm I'm looking yeah. forward to that. you'll see how slow i go but, uh, <laughs> no, i'm looking forward to it so-
1: it's totally okay, you know. Like same thing with like motorsports. I'm not the fastest. I'm not a professional race car driver. It's just about going out there and having fun, being yeah. safe, having fun. Same thing with a bicycle. I'm not going to do the Tour de France. So I'm not that sure. fast. I'm never going to be that fast,
0: but I enjoy riding. Now, is that now did you get into real estate or buy real estate because of this, or was this something that you were already working on real estate and then? Realized you kind of need to accelerate.
1: Yeah. So, with that idea that I'm going to be working basically until I'm old or dead, Mm -hmm. was the idea of like, well, what can I do to where I'm not trading every hour of my life for a set dollar amount? Mm -hmm. And that's what most people do in a W 2 job. You know, I'm worth X dollars per hour. And I had to figure something out. Reading some of the books and such, I figured that if I could have some type of business or set up something that generates income, whether or not i'm awake or whether or not i'm here or wherever i'm at if i can have something that like set up little franchises and initially i started this before real estate i did a vending a vending business
0: all right that's not the first time i've heard that from somebody in real estate yeah
1: so i had soda machines and snack machines and yeah you can place a machine there and you know 24 hours a day can generate income you go there every now and then to service the machine that's, that's a good concept, and I, I did the business for a little while, and ended up, I got another job offer, made more money, and I sold out that business and sold out most of my machines and stuff like that. It just wasn't to the scale that I needed it. Mm-hmm. In the time I was doing the, the soda machine business, I also bought my first rental. So when I was 20 years old, it's a long time ago, I was <laughs> 20 years old, Wow! I bought my primary home. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my first time I bought when I was 20 years old, Yeah, I wasn't making a whole lot of money, but it's pretty easy to qualify for that. Of course, homes were a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. The home that I'm in now is two and a half times the value of what it was when I, when I purchased the first, it's the same house when I purchased, I haven't Mm -hmm. moved from the house. Um, So I'm very frugal in that sense. I think maybe, gosh, nine months or 10 months later, I bought my first rental and it was a bank foreclosure. And as a husband and wife team, the wife did the bank foreclosure. She was a real estate agent, and the husband did financing. And it was a house that was a foreclosure, needed a little bit of work. Um, so I did most of the work. I learned most of the work. I called up a buddy who did tiles. Hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me do some painting? Like I'd have people come and help me, and I would do a lot of the sweat equity to get started. And the very and I knew going into this, this wasn't a get rich quick scheme. Right. I was always in. I was always in for the long haul game. Is. It's about cash flow. And that's what I was really looking for is I was looking to supplement my W-2 income so that I didn't have to work until I'm 65 years old. You know, some people do wholesaling and flips and such like that. And I just... um yeah, you can, make, you can make some money on that, but it's still like, okay, once you sell it, you got to go back and you got to start the process all over yeah, again.
0: It's a, it's a cycle, yeah. Again.
1: So I really like the idea of like, I just have this idea in my head that I'm like setting up these old franchises, like mm-hmm. property one, property two, property three, and and I, and I put those together.
0: You were making money out of the gate on the first house?
1: Not much. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, not much. Um, it was pretty, uh, you know, I wasn't making much money. I didn't have much money in savings. It was like, I don't have a budget. This is before I even knew to like put together a budget on a mm-hmm. spreadsheet. it was kind of winging this thing. Uh, you know, I learned enough to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. I didn't know enough how to do the whole thing. So, you know, when I got started into it, yeah, I was, I was nervous. I was scared. I didn't know kind of, you know, I'm putting together my own flyer. I'm sticking a for rent sign in the yard and I have like little flyers in the tube. And mm-hmm. I'm putting it like on list to like list it, you know, and I'll get, that's a whole nother story, but it fall. is,
0: I can imagine. <laughs>
1: uh, well, we did have some bad tenants in, in some of those, um, but now, I mean, it was maybe hundred, two hundred hundred, $200 a month profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't much. It was kind of covering it. I just had this vision that long-term, okay, this is going to pay out. I'm going to put in a lot of equity. I'm going to keep on building this up. And eventually in the long-term, both through appreciation, tax deductions, which That's huge when you work a W-2 job. Mm -hmm. I can take all these expenses as tax deductions, even if I'm losing money on the house or all the money I put into rehab while I'm making good money on W-2. I can deduct all the tax. And on top of that, generally speaking, rents go up Mm -hmm. and then the principal and interest stay the same. Your taxes and insurance go up a little bit, but not at the pace that
0: rents go up. That's pretty good to be early 20s and having that foresight because most don't have that foresight. So how long did it take? before you decided to get the next one
1: so i think i got the next one gosh i don't know six or eight months later I oh mean, wow was, that was fast yeah it wasn't very long at all i did the first one i'm like all right let's just do the second one the first one needed a little bit of work the second one was it was pretty bad i'm gonna keep it pg not using the words. Sure. it was yeah. it was um let we just say is a two story house. We were tearing up the carpet, rolling it up, and throwing it out the top floor window because it was covered in dog poop and pee and I mean it's like that's it before COVID, but you're yeah. wearing a mask anywhere around the house. Yeah. So <laughs> that was that was a lot of work.
0: It was a lot of fun though, wasn't it? Yeah, you, you know, know it's fun a, it's fun looking back at doing that. I mean I for it, me
1: it, it was fun learning a lot of the new things.
0: Like I had to
1: there again, I had to learn more about plumbing, more about electrical and stuff like that. And kilts. So it was fun doing a lot of it. It was don't get me wrong, it's a lot of sweat equity. Because you know, keep in mind, I'm working an eight hour eight hour day job, mm. and so after work, I would go directly to the to this house. I wouldn't even stop by my house. I'd go directly to this house, and I'd pick up tools and I'd just start working. And I'd have somebody, my girlfriend that I was with at the time, would bring me dinner, or my grandmother would bring me dinner, and I'd sit on a paint can and I'd eat dinner, and then I'd just keep on working. I'd work to eleven o'clock midnight at night. Come home, go to sleep, get up the next morning. Do it all over again. And weekends, you know, I wasn't with my buddies hanging out, partying, doing fun stuff, going to the lake or whatever. I worked Saturday and Sunday getting this house ready because I had a timeline. I got to get this done. I didn't have the money to pay other people. Mm-hmm. So I was working really hard to. To get that one put together and then will need to get it rented as quick as i can because every month i'm having to make this mortgage payment and taxes and insurance um like i said you know starting on the beginning it was pretty it was pretty nerve-wracking you know it was, i hear a lot of people say well you know i'm scared to do it i don't know enough about it i didn't know enough about it i just had to start somewhere then mm-hmm. you learn so much by getting into it and doing it i had enough money that yeah i could i could float paying for that extra mortgage as well it also meant that you know I for I forego other things like I didn't have a new car you know I was driving an old truck at the time I didn't spend a lot I was pretty frugal and other things I didn't spend a lot of money in other services and things like that um, so that I could put my money into this and that goes back to the whole principle of all the books I read it's like the cash you make from your W two job you want to put that in something that works for you mm-hmm. make. You know that money you make from the w2 put it in something that makes you money and then live off that money that that that, that money makes you right you know
0: yeah you want money to make money not not you yeah. out there working hard for it yeah
1: and that's and you look at a lot of the wealthy people out there and that's what they do you know the money they make they put it in invest investments all different types of investments and that money that that investment makes that's what they live off of
0: so you got 20 years under your belt on this then
1: yeah so here's kind of the weird thing is like i did Four, I four or five rental properties. And I think by, so I took a little break between those two because I need those to get rented out mm-hmm. and get paid um, on those. And then I bought two more. I think this is in early 2007, somewhere around there, 2006, 2007, right when uh, my daughter's mom was pregnant at the time. Uh, so we're about to have a kid. And these are both going to be flips. I'm going to make some money on these. I'm going to flip them right quick. We did work on both of them. Uh, first one needed a fair amount of work. Second one needed a lot of work. Um, I was actually doing the first one that I just plan on doing one. And I don't remember if I got a call or saw something the market. is like $65,000 for this house. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm so sorry. It was $80,000 in a estate sale. And I was making multiple offers this time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was putting out a bunch of offers. That's, I, now I remember that's what happened. I was putting out a bunch of offers, a lot of them being rejected. That's fine. That's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not looking for retail price I'm looking for yeah. a below low retail price. And at that time, the market was pretty hot. It was going 2006, mm-hmm. 2007, it was going pretty good. So one of them that was a state, a state that the kids were trying to sell, they listed the house for like 85 or 89, but it had some bad foundation work. I think I offered them 65 for it. And in the meantime, I bought this other house and I was already working on that. Agent calls me back, he's like, hey, we don't have any other higher offers. I got to do something. Can you go up from 65? I already had a house I'm working on. I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm like, 66. <laughs> 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 He's like, sold. You got it. And I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs>
0: yeah. You were more interested in it before you had the other one. So, yeah. I've, yeah, I've yeah. been in that situation I, before, too. And I,
1: I the Now I got two I'm yeah. remodeling. And so I get them both done. I list them both on the market for sale. And right as I list them on the market for sale, the market crashes late 2007 or early 2008 the market just crashes even if somebody wanted to buy it the bank's going to lend everybody
0: just yeah they were down. like not even lending at all for yeah, a so, little short period of time so for people that weren't
1: around or doing real estate from back then. It was like, imagine beginning of the pandemic, 2020, you know, March where all the banks and everybody's like, well, let's just hold and wait till we know what's going on. Yeah. That was pretty much two thousand eight for the banks are like, I don't care, even if you're putting fifty percent down, we don't know what's going on. So they just halted everything. And, you know, of course I'm like, Oh, geez, what do I do? And You know, with any situation like that, you got to think, okay, where can you pivot? I'm going to pivot and do something else. And so what I did is I put them up for rent and both of them rented right away because people who are getting foreclosed on or people that are having to move out of houses that they bought too much, they still needed a place to live. So they'd come rent something cheaper and I wasn't making any money on those houses at that time, but you know what? I wasn't losing any money. So the house that I bought, just a quick example, a house I bought for 66, we probably put like 20,000 rehab into it. I put a lot of sweat equity into it. I want to say, I don't know exactly what's off my head, but I want to say it was probably about a $300,000 house right now. I still own it.
0: Yeah, that, that's what so, Tom does. Isn't it great? Yeah, yeah it is amazing. Now, now let, let's fast forward maybe. Now, did you use any of that equity to help on future acquisitions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So timing timing is key in a lot of this stuff. You know, Back then, a lot of those rates I was getting was you know, six and three quarters, six and seven eighths, or maybe 7% mm-hmm. financing. And that was a norm back then you know a lot of people are saying well rates are high right now no that's kind of what they were yeah you know, it was
0: normal yeah
1: 10 20 years ago that's kind of what investment rates were so during times when the rates actually dipped down low i would refinance some of those or as equity would build up i'd refinance i mean a great example is in early 20 let's see what was it? no sorry late 2020 when the bank started lending again. rates you know, when the fed dropped the rate to like zero mm-hmm and banks had super crazy low rates one of the things i did was i had two of the first properties two first properties i bought i think i had at that time probably over two hundred thousand dollars of equity in there and i was able to refinance at a lower rate and i pulled out over a hundred thousand dollars of equity from those houses and what i did with that is i took all that money and i used that for a down payment to buy a bigger commercial property in late 2020 I bought an rv park and yeah. that was that was just like you know going from the green monopoly houses mm-hmm. to the red hotel
0: yeah, it's been fun watching you with the the rv parks
1: yeah that's that's been a learning curve. It's also, you know, getting into the RV parks, it kind of reminds me of when I first started when I bought my first house. When I got into RV park. I didn't really know a whole lot about running an RV park. I didn't know a whole lot about how commercial, you know, that scale of commercial mm-hmm. financing and business operates. I knew enough to be dangerous and kind of get into it, know that I was getting into a decent transaction, you know. I'd, I did a full financial analysis. I looked at, you know, two years worth of data, put it all together in a spreadsheet, making sure that it made enough profit to where it paid for itself and more. But also, too, that was a time when in 2020, everybody is, you know, they're, they're staying home, they're playing video games, you know, they're taking a break from work not everybody. I mean, some people working really (laughs) hard. But a lot of people, I saw a lot of my friends are like, hey, we're playing video games. We don't have to work that much right now. Or, or, you know, we're going to be on unemployment for a year or two or something like that. I'm never like that. Like I was working harder than ever at my IT job. And I'm like, how can I take advantage of this situation? I'm always looking at like, I can't control some of the political forces. I can't Mm -hmm. control some of the markets and stuff like that. But I always look to see how can I use that as a tool to better leverage my position. Mm -hmm. At that time, rates were amazing I, mean, I could refinance and get some of the equity the the value of these houses was going up considerably as well then the year i think it's earlier and it was actually earlier that year i took a trip to colorado and i went buy some rv parks on the way there and it sparked a little idea in my head i said wait if they can make let's just say 100 200 a month per space they don't have a roof. They don't have carpet, tile, water heater. They don't have air conditioner. They don't have any of those things to worry about. They have an electrical connection, a sewer and a water line Yeah, and a concrete pad. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why? Wow, that sounds like a maybe something I want to get into. And so I started looking, there's websites you can research mm-hmm. this information on. There's agents that just deal with rv parks you can just google search rv parks for sale and come up with websites and listings and stuff like that of course you have to do your due diligence it's like any transaction and i looked at i looked at a few of them and i've settled on one that made sense an area that i liked it wasn't too far away from me and purchased it and i've been running it for two and a half years now And by far of everything i have together the rv park generates as much income as all my other rentals put together that's
0: nice yeah now was it difficult financing an rv park Versus a house?
1: Yeah. So it's a totally going into that commercial space is totally different than a single family rental, both appraising it and getting lending for it was was different. You know, one of the things I did was with the agent that I worked with, he turned me on to a guy that puts together financials and, and or puts together financials of commercial properties and basically solicits it to different banks to see if they want to. They really want to lend on this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't cheap. Um, his fee was ten thousand dollars. A lot of people would have stopped right there and said, "Whoa, ten thousand dollars! Like, I-, I don't know if I want to do this." You know, and I had the first, I had that knee jerk reaction too. I'm like, "Man, ten grand to pay this guy to well, shop around for a loan."
0: Well, that's what keeps other people from making those decisions to get farther ahead is by not wanting to let go or invest in themselves or other people.
1: Yeah, and. And it's, it kind of goes back to like, some people don't want to pay a, a real estate agent their commission. No, I, I pay them full commission. Everybody working, you know, whether it's referral fees or agent commissions or anything like that, these guys are bringing me deals. They're helping mm-hmm. me out with stuff that I don't know all the things. And I'm never gonna know all the things. So you gotta have, you gotta lean on these people, whether a title company. Mm-hmm. I just had a question I called a title company that I use all the time. and It's invaluable to have that resource to, to answer those questions. Yeah, so the, he did, um. He would put together these packages and shop them to different banks. And if it was a million dollar plus transaction, they took a percentage. Mine was just barely under a million dollar transaction. So it was a flat fee of 10 grand. And emotional, my emotional side is like, oh God, like this is crazy. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. But I have to stop that emotion and I say, well, it's just, I'm going to write down some numbers. I'm going to put some numbers in a spreadsheet. I'm going to do a calculation. How much profit potential could I make? You know, if if I can make $50,000 a year from this property, who cares about 10 grand? Mm -hmm. I'll pay that in the first quarter. And then after that, it's just icing on the cake.
0: And you've also maybe learned how to make even more equity or more income Out of the property than what it was producing to begin with, right? Yeah, done some things.
1: Yeah, this is just you know same thing with uh, the houses I buy. I always look for value add. I always look for something that has deferred maintenance. I don't buy retail. Some people do, and that's fine. You know, some people don't have any time to mess with. If they get a full time job, they'll buy a turnkey property. For me, the way I do the stuff is I usually try to buy it below market or off market stuff that scares other people.
0: Mm -hmm. And making sure the the vendors you work with get paid because they're going to be the guys that bring you business and. Yeah, You work yeah. hard for you, like because if you pay a contractor what he's worth when he does work for you, he's going to come back and let you hire him again. But if you squeeze him, you're not going to be on the first on his list to help out next time.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and you know you want to have those people. You want to treat your people good because yeah. if you treat people good, they'll they'll treat you good as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that deal. Um. You know, the agent got his commission. This financial guy, he got his commission as well. Uh, I bought the property. Now the good thing about remember 2020, I'm still working the IT job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the nice thing for me was that I could work remote. So all these things lined up just perfectly to where I was able to refinance some properties to get the down payment to buy the RV park. I could work remote, which meant that you know I didn't know that much about operating an RV park. A mm-hmm. lot is going to be trial by fire. I'm learning as I'm doing things. But I've also got some deferred maintenance. I got some. You know, I got a septic system over here that's not working right. I got some electrical connections that aren't working, some washers and dryers that aren't working. I got stuff to do. So, you know, it's about an hour and a half from my house. So what I would do is, I would just stay out there at the RV park. I had, you know, I had a camper. I parked my camper at the, the RV park. It had a front office that nobody was using and just had a bunch of old office stuff in there, just clear all that stuff to the side, and set up my computer. So during the day, I was taking phone calls, emails, stuff like that, doing my IT job, you know, remote. It didn't matter where I was, I had a yeah. good, internet, good internet connection, I could do work. Now, when the IT job was over, you know, at 4 or 5 p.m. in the afternoon, I'd go there and I'd start working all afternoon on this RV park and getting everything set up. Again, you know, it's just kind of setting up those little franchises, putting these procedures in place, putting these policies in place and such. And, you know, as I've learned over the two and a half years, it's a totally different animal because... Mm-hmm. An RV park is running the business, Mm -hmm. whereas most of my rental properties, I didn't actually reach out to a property manager until I think I had maybe ten properties, and it got to the point to where you know I had my weekends consumed with toilets, Mm -hmm. issues, tenants, all stuff like that. But also, too, I was getting I was getting tenants from signs in the yard and Craigslist and stuff like that, Facebook. But wasn't that great?
0: Um, Yeah, there's there's some benefits of you know outsourcing. Certain core responsibilities, so you can focus on the things that you're good at, which is buying property. Yeah,
1: and I have a I have a frugal nature, and this goes I'm tying tying this back to paying pay people what they're worth because I was always like, I don't want to give up certain percentage of my income to a property manager. That's but you know insert the number here ninety dollars, hundred dollars more a month I could make on this property. What I found, though, within the first year going to a good, competent property manager, I got better tenants that treat my property better, that stayed there longer, so I had less vacancy. But also, too, that property manager told me things, hey, if you do this, you'll get a higher market value. You know, if you maybe change this or change the landscaping a little bit, add another parking space, we can get you another $100 a month. So they pay for themselves, you know, within the first year, which somebody working for you, you know, if they're doing a good job, they will pay for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to buy other properties as well in the future. Well, it
0: freed up your time. It freed up your time. Yeah.
1: So I bought four or five properties Went through 2008. My daughter was born in 2007 and I didn't do real estate for a while. I had, I had those rentals. I just kept them as rentals for many years. Mm -hmm. I think I didn't buy the next rental property until about 2015. So I went a long time without buying another property. I got busy with life and, you know, I was busy with my daughter and and doing stuff with the family and things like that. I just, I didn't do that many more properties. And in 2015, I bought another property and I started ramping up. I'm like, okay, you know, like I had this plan and I missed my mark. I was like, I'm going to retire when I'm 30. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I shot that, you know, I've completely passed, you know, went past that mark. It doesn't mean I failed. It just means like, hey, like I need to work, work more of this. I need to focus more on this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes people have to buy a property or get into something and they think, oh, oh, first six months or a year didn't work. And again, this is a long term, long
0: yeah. It takes a long time to lose money in real estate. to yeah. uh, because as long as you you can outrun your your losses with time.
1: Oh yeah, time time heals all in most mm-hmm. most situations as long as you have time. So 2015, I you know started ramping up and buying some more properties and then really getting aggressive in 2019, 2018, 2019. And all through 2020, 2021, 22, I just kept on plugging plugging away. And uh, let's see, February of last year, so it's been a year and four months, a year and four months, I finally decided to leave my W-2
0: job. You had it all pretty well figured out. So you didn't really have a whole lot of trepidation or hesitation on that.
1: Y- yes. And anytime you're Walking away from a job that pays you really good, that
0: yeah, you, yeah,
1: it's and all that. I had this voice inside of my head, my parents and my grandparents telling me, "You've got a good job. It's steady. Don't
0: leave the company. Mm-hmm. Don't walk away from it. What are you crazy?" Health like, insurance, four hundred one k, yeah, yeah. You,
1: you got everything, you know, and you get paid good. So yeah, again, it's a big change. Buying the first property, buying the RV park even my job these are all big life-changing events of course i was scared you know of course i was nervous about this yeah i checked all the boxes and you know the math made sense but my emotional side is still there where i'm like oh this is scary you know it, people jump out of planes all the time go skydiving and 99.9 percent of the time they're fine mm-hmm. But every time everybody jumps out of the plane that emotional side yeah it's heart racing and you know they're, that's but that's some people do that because they like that. Now, as far as leaving the job, the last year that I worked there, I told myself I'm gonna do a proof of concept. So for twelve months, I did not use any of the money that I received from my W2 job. I said, I'm just gonna put this money into savings and I'm gonna draw enough off of the real estate to where I can live off of it. For for the longest time, all the money from the real estate, I would just put it back into, you know, buying another property, doing you know, getting another thing. I read a book, I think it's called Pay Yourself First.
0: Yeah, good one. Okay.
1: Yeah, so that got me thinking, like, I should start paying myself 1% or something, you know? You got to start somewhere, because if if not, what's the point of all this? And so after reading that book, I put it together. I'm like, hey, I'm going to, here's the bare minimum to pay my bills, and that's what I'm going to draw every month from the business. And that's what I did again really frugal there wasn't enough money in there to buy a new car there wasn't anything for you know expensive trips not even really a vacation my vacations are paid by credit card points now and i buy all my Mm -hmm. stuff for my real estate i put on credit card i use those points to take a vacation so frugal in that sense mr money mustache stuff Mm -hmm. like that just you know learning how to be just really live below your means but so for twelve months, all that W two income, I totally just put that in savings. And after twelve months, I said, "Well, I proved to myself I'm still here and I can still do it." So, and also my employer, I gave him like a ninety day window. And, you know, I want to leave in good graces. I trained up another person to take my position. All that I wouldn't look into burning any bridges because mm-hmm. I still wanted the option there if I wanted to do some contract work or something in the future, which they've never called me on, which is fine. Yeah. So that yeah, that last day, of course, it's spring, and then you wake up the next day and you're like. What do you do well do i do <laughs> what, 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 do I, do? <laughs> what do I do but then also it was the realization i can do anything i want mm-hmm. anything i want you know so what do i do the first year i bought a dozen more houses <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i've just been building on it since i'm at a point now to where i enjoy doing a lot of this i don't have to do as much hands-on work you know i can hire out a lot of people do a lot of that work i'm still i'm still involved with it and yeah i still do some sweat equity i enjoy it sometimes even though i probably shouldn't spend so much time in the business
0: yeah but that's your personality that's what you that's what you want to do so now you got the time, flexibility to do it
1: but the good thing too is you know i've got i'm planning on a vacation coming up next month you know take two or three weeks off i don't have to ask anybody you know i've got an assistant that helps me with a lot of these things so you know she can handle most of the stuff when i come into town every two or three days I answer a couple phone calls some emails and property managers are going to take care of the property you know the single family rentals mm-hmm. my assistant's going to handle most of the rv park And you know, i've got a couple you know other people that do some construction work that'll help me out if i'm out of town they need to do a little fix up or repairs they can do that stuff so and then from a day-to-day basis, you know, like the next tomorrow, and so Thursday and Friday, I'm not really going to be doing any work. You know, my mom's getting some foundation work done in her house, and I'm going to be working on a classic car. i got this old 1969 Dodge Dart that I'm going to be wrenching on, trying to get it running. And I love going back to the beginning. I love motorsports and stuff like that. So I'll be working on that for a couple of days. That's-
0: yes, that's good. So I'm, I'm going to tell everybody that's listening that you're, you've taken it to the extreme on real estate investing. Like you've made it your job. You've made it your, I mean, you're, you've done it all the way, but you don't have to, right? Like, you you know, people that have just bought two or three houses and been happy and done well with them. Right. But
1: yeah, totally. I mean, just buying one house a year, I see some people that buy one house a year, maybe they buy two houses a year, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you get the rental income, you get the asset appreciation, you get the tax deductions, which those are all huge things, and they add up to be uh, profitable. Nobody has to do it as much as I do, but at the same time, I see people who do three times as much as I do, and I'm like, wow, how do they do that? I try to strike a balance somewhere to where I enjoy doing the business. I don't have to buy another property at all. I can live the rest of my life without buying another property. I like putting together some of the deals, but also too, you know, motorsports and stuff like that, those become expensive hobbies. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're buying tires and wheels and brakes and stuff like that, and you think, well, hmm, I would like to have a new Corvette. And maybe if I buy a couple more rentals, I can can afford the payment Mm -hmm. on a new Corvette. Mm, That sounds good. So it's not that it's not anything that I have to do. I enjoy putting the transactions together. I really enjoy seeing you know a hundred year old house or fifty year old house being transformed into somebody that into something that somebody can call their home. Mm-hmm. It's a nice place for them to live. So I enjoy seeing that transformation process as well. And I do a lot of pictures and videos and stuff like that because I enjoy just
0: kind of seeing those. Well, and everybody else gets to live a little vicariously too by watching. Yeah. About what you're doing.
1: Yeah, it's not. Um, I again. I'm not the smartest person in the world. I don't know everything. This isn't really rocket science. And there's so many. I think of all the other businesses. Real estate is special, and there's so many people that are willing to help you. Mm-hmm. There's local clubs you can join. Um, I found so many of my vendors, mentors, people I work with from local clubs, other businesses. You know, if you get into plumbing, yeah, like, no,
0: nobody's hiding secrets. Like you know, we yeah. I share everything with everybody else, and. It's an abundance mentality type of business. Because we know that, you know, you help everybody else and it, it comes around or you feel good, that's not helping somebody is not gonna hurt you. And I, I think that really shines a lot more in real estate than it does in other businesses. What advice would you give to somebody that hadn't bought their first house yet?
1: Well, I think I'd start out with, you know, reading a couple of books, of course, like, you know, everybody recommends a rich dad, poor dad. Of course. But hey, it holds a candle because it is it's the baseline of, you mm-hmm. know, like I said, making money while you sleep. You know, a cash flow quadrant I think was actually one of his best.
0: Points. That was his best one.
1: Yeah, to where it really explains, like, you know, even though a doctor might be high paying, when a doctor goes on vacation, they make zero income. Yeah, unless they own part of the hospital that they yeah. work.
0: Well, we've got a a family friend that's a pediatrician, and she she was telling us when she went off on vacation for a week, it cost her not just the vacation, but she had to pay the person that took her place and her staff. So she was down. She was. It cost her more to leave she should have just i guess shut everything down for a week which you can't really do that when you're a pediatrician i guess but uh yeah it, it cost her to go on vacation
1: yeah so i mean as far as somebody getting started out i think you know reading a couple of those good books but also too whatever location somebody's in just google local rei club mm-hmm. and you can find that you can start talking to people And a lot of these clubs and all these people you can share information with and be like, hey, is this a decent deal? Is this a good deal? Can I do this? But also, if you're working with a hard money lender um, or a bank or a lot of hard money lenders, you're buying a rehab, a lot of hard money lenders will tell you, hey, this property's
0: not worth it. Yeah, they don't want to take a house back. They want you to do well.
1: Or if if it's a good deal, they'll say, yeah, heck yeah, we'll lend on this for sure. We'll do it. Then you know you, you've got a good deal. You can move forward with it. You don't have to know everything else. You don't need the analysis paralysis. Sometimes you just have to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And if people go to a tech school or people go to college, how many thousands or tens of thousands of dollars do they spend on education? So, so even if even if the first six months or first year you lose a little money on the house, don't think about it negatively. Think about all the learning you've got in that. Think about how you can make it better. Keep in communication. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy of like, oh, I made a mistake. I'm going to go hide and not talk to anybody. The more people, whenever I come across a problem, I talk to all the people I know. I say, I got this problem. I don't know how to handle it. I'll find an answer. Somebody Mm -hmm. has advice they can give me and I'll figure out an answer.
0: Yeah. There's no such thing as a free education. And then there's also, you got all your network. That's the thing is building up that network helps.
1: And I've I've talked, I've mentored some people as well. I think the big difference is I've mentored some people that want to talk a lot and then never really want to take action or maybe they'll talk once or twice and they just kind of disappear. They
0: don't, they get distracted. They get some shiny object and they like, oh, I'll put it off till next year. And then next year comes and then I'll put it off next year. And then they look up and they had a lot of years that could have just.
1: Or maybe they get a raise at work and think, like, well, I'm making a little bit more money this year. And, you know, maybe they got like my old job, they would, hey, congratulations, you got a 3% raise. And I would say, wait, inflation's 5%. So technically I got a 2% pay cut.
0: <laughs> yeah. Kind of the way it goes.
1: And I realized that they would pay me just enough where I wouldn't leave.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a handcuff thing. That's what these W 2s are. Yeah. But, uh, well, I, I, we could talk forever because. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love that. that. But, so, but, I really want to thank you Ryan for coming on and just sharing your story because I think it's very inspirational to other people to let it be known that it can be done. I mean, you didn't graduate from high school. And you're way more successful than most everybody I know. So I I I think that says a lot. That first house, what you did to get that that first one, and what you sacrificed as far as time, energy, effort, and then kept doing it. I think that is a great example for for especially even young young guys coming out, young ladies coming out of high school or college, and wanting to do something. Just don't get caught up with all the shiny objects and the new. Beamer and, you know, live frugal, live underneath your means and then like invest, invest what you can for your future. And I think that's, that's, that's a big important takeaway that you've, you've given. Cause I've got a lot of guys that have started buying houses later in life and that's completely fine because they can do it differently. And then there's people that started early with less. And I, I think you've proven that that's a pretty rockstar business model.
1: Oh yeah. Time, time really compounds mm-hmm. all that money that you can make yeah. and, you know, putting off buying a new car, maybe something's maybe a, a new house or something special for yourself. Putting it into an investment that'll give you, I mean, for me, the most valuable asset that I can have is time, freedom mm-hmm. of my time to do whatever I want with. That's the most valuable thing because you can't buy more of that.
0: Yeah. And that's, and I'm and talking about time. I'm looking forward to next Saturday on our yeah. cycling trip. So I, I'm, you know, I hate that I'm going to slow you down, but I'm looking forward no. to it. No, it's gonna I'm, be I'm fun. A great time. Forward, thanks for going going with me because otherwise it'd just be me and probably a whole bunch of other little grade school kids because I'm doing the <laughs> slower out. But no, I appreciate that. But uh, thank you for spending your time. And uh, you know, I, I really do appreciate that. I'll leave you a lunch or something next time I see you. But uh, otherwise, have a, have a great week, and uh, I'll let you know when this podcast comes out. Okay. Thanks, Carl. Right. Thank you, Ron.